Welcome to Gateway's podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Don Brock. For more information about Gateway, please visit www.gatewaybc.com. Uh, before we begin, I, I want to say hey to those who join us online each week. We're thankful for their presence. A lot of our church members who uh, are having to be cautious and and uh, we're glad that they're able to join us online, so we're thankful. And those of you that are not a part of Gateway, we're glad that you've joined us as well. And uh, I know there's some several uh, family members that you have that you're uh, that are living different parts of our country that join us each week. So we're grateful for that. Uh, and before we get into talking about uh, God's word today, I wanted to take a moment for us to just pray for our country. Um, and, and this is beyond political opinions. We're not going to get into any of that. Um, you know, I, I think what happened at the Capitol this past week, uh, really put a, an exclamation point on the end of 2020 and, uh, all of all the unrest in our country. And, and as we think about that, one thing that, uh, our I believe that our country uh, needs, <clears throat> when a nation is divided, it really needs a united church. Now, the country may not realize that, but Jesus Christ and the church, <clears throat> because the church belongs to Jesus and it's the uh, instrument by which Jesus put in place that Jesus and the church is God's answer for what ails a country and for what ails people. And so a divided nation needs a united church. And, uh, and this, is, uh, this is why I love to spend time with pastors, even pastors of other denominations. And, and we don't talk about what divides us. We talk about what unites us. And it's always centered around the gospel. It's always centered around Jesus himself. And, and this is, um, and so as we are divided as a country, as all of you would agree with, <clears throat> we need to stand firm as a united body of God's people uh, and, and stay focused on what the mission is that God has given us. And uh, that is Jesus himself. And so I want us to pray for our country, for the unrest in our country, because it's not going to go away, and I pray that we will not lose sight of what our purpose is and what mission is that God has truly given us, because it transcends anything that's happen, happening culturally and anything that's happening politically. God's purpose and God's plan for us stands the test of time. So let's pray. <clears throat> God, as your people, we pray for our nation, the wounds of our country that run deep, the scars that have been there for generations, the division that we see on a daily basis. And so, Father, as commanded in Scripture, we are to pray for all of our elected officials. And so as we pray for a new president that's coming into office, new Congress people that are coming into office, 
We pray that your Holy Spirit will quicken their hearts, something that only your spirit can do. And Lord, I'm sure there's many of them that would even deny that there is a God. They cannot, they cannot hide from your spirit. And, and, I, and I pray for those elected officials that are believers, that you will just draw them deeper into a, into a walk with you, into a prayer life, that they will take the hard stands that are necessary to take, that you'll give them courage and you'll give them words to speak. And Lord, I pray, I pray for every elected, elected official that your Holy Spirit will bring great conviction into their hearts, that what they do is serious in your eyes, and that there is going to be a day of accountability, and that they will understand that the action that they take, the choices that they make, that not only are they held accountable by the American people, they're held accountable by a holy God based on what I read in scripture. So I, I pray that you put that holy fear in them and that they will begin to see things through your eyes. And I pray that you will do a work and I pray that those who are in a personal relationship with you, that you will give them a new boldness like never before. So we as your people are commanded to pray diligently for our elected leaders. And we do pray for them. And Father, what this country needs is not different political agendas or different political um, operations. What this country needs is a renewal of your spirit, a drawing of people to you. And so Jesus himself said, if I am lifted up, I will draw all people to me. And therefore as your people, we're called to lift up Jesus. And so today we lift up Christ and each and every day let churches unite around the cross to lift up Jesus so that people will be drawn to him. That is what will bring healing to our land. We pray this in Jesus' holy name, amen. You know, I want to also take a moment uh, to just thank you as a church for your incredible generosity. Uh, I was given this past week uh, the financial numbers and uh, you've just been incredibly generous. Uh, when the pandemic hit, uh, we as a staff, you know, we were just going day by day and sometimes hour by hour like, what do we do? How do we approach this? And the idea of when we first started saying, we might have to cancel church. And that's just so foreign to us. And, and, uh, and I'm so thankful for our team that they just stepped up to the plate. Our volunteers stepped up to the plate. And we got through those, those difficult times. And, 
And uh, we, we figured out what to do. God gave us wisdom and discernment of how to get things online. And, and uh, so I'm very grateful for that. But one of the things that we were concerned about was what's going to happen with the finances. Uh, we're going to have to lay people off and uh, we're going to have to just cut out some ministries. And we started praying about how that's going to look and being prepared for that. But you, you went beyond generosity and, um, I mean, our budget for last year was 2.2, almost 2.3 million. And you gave uh, $100,000 above that. And so thank you. Thank you for your generosity. But I don't want to stop there. Beyond the budget, that's our operating expenses and uh, all the ministries that we do. You gave an additional $637,000 to designated things, to missions, to benevolence, uh, to facilities. And uh, so at the end of the day, with all the other things that were given, you gave over $3 million this year. And I'm so thankful for that. And I just want to applaud you for being faithful and your generosity and and, uh, and so because of that, we're able, we were able to give a lot of extra funds to our missionaries and bless them and their families. We were able to give a lot of money to three local ministries that deal directly with uh, the needs of those that are homeless and those that are in struggle and desperate needs. Uh, you were able to help, we were able to help them by helping those ministries that work directly with them. Uh, we're going to do a couple of things this year. Um, you know, I, I'm thankful we've never been a church about uh, having fancy everything or, you know, going after the, I mean, we, you know, we try, we try to keep things very simple and things basic, uh, and very functional, uh, but we're going to enclose the two open areas. When you go out the doors there, we have that covered area. We're going to enclose those in both buildings just to double the size of the foyer. And, uh, and that'll make it a lot easier to do things of ministry and ministry, making you aware of various ministries. We're going to uh, put a covered walkway uh, to the modulars. So as you go to life groups, you don't have to be in the elements of the weather. Um, and uh, we're going to build a, um, a um, pavilion near the chapel, a large outdoor space that's covered. It'll be a place where men's ministry, women's ministry, youth ministry, whatever. Uh, it can be used by any ministry in the church and it's just going to be a very functional place. And so this is allowing us to do some of those things. And, and I'm thankful for that. You know, when we moved to this property 14, over 14 years ago, we had over $9 million debt. And now that's down to about $2 million. We, we have put a lot of extra money on to the principal in our debt. And I'm very thankful for the leadership of our finance team who have done that and have been consistent about that. And, you know, I, I've been telling people, my goal before I retire is that we have no debt as a church because I want the next pastor to not curse my name. And uh, so I want to leave, I wanted us to be a, we're, we're very healthy financially. I'm thankful for that. And I thank you in advance for your continued generosity because, your generosity allows us to continue to minister to more and more people. And so I'm thankful for that, and I appreciate what you've done. And thank you, thank you for uh, 
allowing us to continue to minister to people uh, in an amazing, some amazing ways. Well, now we're going to talk about the message. And, uh, and I'm, I'm talking today about how we can make 2021 count. You know, 2020 was all about survival. So instead of looking at 2021 as a continuation of that, why don't we think about 2021 as being strategic? That we're going to do the things necessary to make 2021 count, to make a difference. You know, at New Year's, people make resolutions. You make a lot of promises. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to start to exercise. I'm going to get on a budget. I'm going to get out of debt. I'm going to stop and then just fill in the blank, whatever it is you want to stop. Uh, I'm going to spend more time with family. I'm going to learn to actually like my kids. I mean, you know, you just go on thinking about all these things that you're going to do different. Uh, and, and reality is the Bible actually gives us a whole lot of things that ought to be a New Year's resolution. And I want to focus on only seven of them. And um, I chose seven just because that's a good biblical number, a number of perfection and completion. And uh, so I, I picked out what, what I thought would probably be the seven top things we could really work on this year. And, and that doing these seven things would actually make 2021 be a strategic year and would make it count. So let's jump in. Number one, develop a consistent daily prayer life. That's strategic. That makes a difference. I mean, this, listen to what the Bible says in Zechariah 4, 6. Then he said to me, this is what the Lord says to Zerubbabel. It is not by force nor by strength, but by my spirit says the Lord of heaven's armies. The way we tap into the Lord's spirit, he's given us only one way to do that, and that's prayer. When we pray, we are tapping in to the throne room of holy God, to Christ himself, to the Holy Spirit and his power that lives in us, and prayer is how we tap into that source. Tap into that power, that direction. And when I do that, when I develop a consistent time of talking to the Holy Spirit, that's when things change. In Philippians 4, this is a familiar verse. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all that he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. It goes beyond our human ability to even discern it, to describe it, to understand it. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So look at all the stuff that happens when you decide to be consistent in your daily prayer life. When you start praying, you experience God's peace. I need that. You'll, you'll see things that you cannot understand. I'd like that. His peace will guard your heart. Things are always attacking my heart. 
you know, bad thinking, my mind, bad thinking, my emotions, my heart, there's always things attacking my emotions and my heart and God will protect those through prayer. And, and then I live in the life of Christ. I live the way Jesus wants me to live. It all goes back to praying. So when I don't pray, then I don't have the peace of God. I don't have my heart guarded, my mind guarded. My life does not exceed beyond things I can understand. You see, when I live under my power, I can explain everything. When I live under God's power, I can't explain it. It goes beyond my ability to understand. So develop a consistent daily prayer life. I want to propose a question. What would happen if you substituted the time you spend on social media? Oh, I just got real personal, didn't I? And the time you spend watching Netflix. What if for one week you took all of that time and instead prayed? You think it'd make a difference? Well, based on God's word, it would change everything. What if you just did that for a week? You know what would begin to happen? Your mind would begin to be rewired. God would start changing that faulty thinking the trash you've been putting in that mind, the emotions that have overwhelmed you, God would begin to filter that out and he would begin to renew your spirit, renew your thinking, renew your emotions. And you you start thinking differently. You start living differently. even just after a week. But what if you did it for a whole month? Both my kids love to read. And one of the ways we did that when they were kids, we just did a challenge and said, hey, we're not going to turn the TV on for a whole year. And they fell in love with books. And it influenced them. Changed the way they think. If you want to make 2021 count, develop a consistent daily prayer life. Number two, love yourself spiritually. Now, the reason I say this is because of the second greatest commandment given. Jesus said, love others as you love yourself. Love others as yourself. So, A reason why a lot of you struggle in loving others is because you don't love yourself. You don't know how to do that without being narcissistic, without being selfish. There is a right way to love yourself. There is a biblical way to love yourself. In Philippians 3.12, Paul said, I don't mean to say I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, But I press on to possess that perfection for what Christ Jesus first 
possessed me. For which Christ Jesus first possessed me. In other words, what I hear Paul saying is, I'm going to love myself the right way. And the way I can love myself the right way is to press on into being more and more like Jesus. That's the best way I can love myself, is to be more and more like Jesus. And guess what? I can't do that unless I have a consistent daily prayer life. Number three, invest your spiritual gifts in others. You want to make 2021 count? You start taking your spiritual gifts and you invest in other people. Again, in 1 Timothy, Paul said, do not neglect the spiritual gift you received. Now, he's talking to Timothy specifically, uh, a gift that he was received, uh, a prophecy was spoken over him, and the elders laid hands on him. But I think the principle applies to all of us when he says, give your complete attention to these matters, your spiritual gift. So you can neglect your spiritual gift and then it's not used and it becomes dormant and it helps no one. Or you can give complete attention, get away from the distractions, give complete attention to your spiritual gift. So pay attention to yourself, love yourself, throw yourself into your task that means you, you invest, you are all in so that everyone will see your progress. I mean, this sounds like, say, Timothy, you need to focus on you. You need to really develop the spiritual gifts that you have. And you need to throw yourself all into that. You need to read about it. You need to learn about it. You need to, you need to pray about it. You need to practice it. And so that's what God wants to do in you. He, he wants you to really know exactly what your spiritual gift is, jump in with both feet, learn everything you can about it, then use it for the benefit of other people. Now that is making a difference. And you know the cool thing is, you don't have to worry about somebody else's spiritual gift. That's not your burden. But that's why you need each other. You see, I, I need your friendship, but I also need you and your spiritual gift. Because you and your spiritual gift brings more completion to my life. We complete each other. Now, I'm not talking about salvation. Not only Jesus can do that. But as far as community and as far as believers, we complete each other through our spiritual gifts. Number four, become intentional about sharing Jesus. Don't just do it haphazardly or whenever an unplanned opportunity happens. Yes, when those unplanned opportunity happens, yes, you share but we need to be intentional about this. Listen to what Paul said. He, he said, when I'm with those who are weak, I, 
I share their weakness. In other words, I don't sit there and condemn them. I don't sit there and say, oh, I don't have that problem. I'm much better than you. I mean, he says, I, I sit there and empathize with them. He says, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. My, my goal here in this relationship is to introduce them to Jesus. So I connect with them on their level with what their struggles are. Not that he goes and does it with them, but rather he doesn't condemn them or judge them. He, he says, I, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. Now, here's how I see this verse. I'm going to find out what they're interested in. And I, I want to find common connection. If they like to hunt, I'll go hunting with them. If they like to tinker around cars, I'll, I'll go get in the garage with them and tinker around cars with them. If they like to go fishing, I'll, I'll, I'll learn how to fish and go fishing with them. Uh, if they like to work out in the gym, well, they'll have to find somebody else. But... Uh, I'm going to be intentional about building a relationship with them. I'm going to find things that they're interested in. I'm going to connect with them on their level, their interests, so I can get to know them. Because the better I get to know them, the easier it will be for me to bring Jesus into the conversation. Basically, Paul's saying, I want to earn the right the privilege to tell them about Jesus. And the best way I know to do that is to show them I care about them first. I'm not trying to get another notch on my Bible. I care about their soul so much that I'm going to be very intentional, very intentional about building a relationship with them. So become intentional about that. Number five, make the tough decisions to do God's will. Now, listen to this. Paul said, and now I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit was leading him there. I don't know what awaits me except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. What a motivation. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. So here's what Paul's saying. The Holy Spirit led me to this city and he told me, now Paul, get ready. On, on this journey, you're going to get bit by a poisonous snake. You're going to shipwreck. You're going to get thrown in jail. You're going to get beaten. You're going to get mocked. But don't worry, everything's going to be fine. Uh, what a motivational speech from the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Paul, this is going to be tough. So Paul, Paul had to make a tough decision. Am I willing to complete the task that God has for me, the one that Jesus gave to me personally, even though it's going to cost me dearly, I mean, it's going to cost me. So 
Doing things that are easy, well, they're easy to do. But doing things that are tough and being warned in advance is going to be tougher than you think. You have a tough decision to make. Am I willing to risk building a relationship with somebody knowing that they may reject me, knowing they may rebuff me, knowing that they may laugh at me, knowing they may never talk to me again? Am I willing to do that? You got to make a tough decision from time to time when it comes to God's will. Am I willing to pay the price? Am I willing to say no to so many other things that are fine and good, but am I willing to deny that stuff for myself in order to do God's will? Am, Am I willing to do the tough stuff? If you want to make 2021 count... You're going to have some times this year where you're going to have some tough decisions. Number six, confront debilitating patterns of sin. That's not easy. I mean, I I know how how it is for most everybody. You struggle with that one thing, whatever it is. Now, the Bible gives us some guidance on this. In Hebrews 12, it says, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin, singular there, that so easily trips us up. Especially that one thing that I hate it, And I keep doing it. And I despise myself after I do it. It's like you pray, God, forgive me for doing that again. And you're also praying, and forgive me for when I do it tomorrow. Because you know that's the pattern. And no matter how much you hate it, you keep falling into it. And so Paul was basically saying, hey, You got a whole bunch of people interceding for you. You got Jesus. He's interceding for you. You've got all these other believers who've gone on before you that are in heaven now, and they're interceding for you. You have the Holy Spirit living in you that teaches you even how to pray when you don't know how to pray. So you got a whole bunch of people on your side cheering you on and rooting for you. So be encouraged by that. And this applies specifically based on what I'm reading here to that sin that so easily gets you. And then there's a warning in 1 John. He says, you're lying If you say you have fellowship with God, but you keep on living in spiritual darkness, you're not practicing the truth. What he's saying here is he says, you say you're a follower of Christ. Now he's talking to believers now, and he's not talking about losing your salvation, but he's basically saying, 
If you say you're a believer and you're living in known sin and you're willfully choosing to live in that sin, but you pretend like everything's great. And when people ask you how you're doing, you put on the show for them. He's basically saying, you're in spiritual darkness and you're, you're lying because you don't have fellowship with God. You, you still have a relationship. You're a child of God, but the fellowship is broken. You see, the fellowship has nothing to do with your salvation, but it has everything to do with your joy and living God's purpose for your life. And so he says, look, you're, you're really just lying when you're pretending that you don't have a problem. You need to get serious about it. And then in James, we've got one more way to help us. James said, confess your sins to each other. Not to get forgiveness. You know, that's not really what he's talking about. See, only God can give me forgiveness. And now if I've offended somebody, yes, I need their forgiveness. And if I've hurt somebody, yes, I need their forgiveness. But I think the deeper thing that's being said here is you got to have a community of people, trusted believers, that you can be gut honest with them. And you need to be able to build such a relationship with them so that you can sit down and say, hey, I've got a problem. That's confessing the sin. And he says, pray for each other so that you may be healed. So you want to have those kind of friends that you know that they're not immediately going to go and go tell everybody, but rather they're going to surround you and pray for you and encourage you and be there for you and stay in touch with you uh, for accountability. That's what he's talking about. Now, these kind of friends are usually a small group. I don't suggest you just go grab somebody that you are mildly acquainted with and sit down and just spill your guts. I think he's talking about people you've got a close relationship with because they'll hurt with you and not judge you. And they will be there for you and with you. So confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. That's why you need to do it. You need each other. So we need each other for ministry by the various spiritual gifts, but we also need each other just to survive life and our struggles. Which brings me to the last recommendation for 2021 and making it a great year. Do the hard work to build community. And it is hard work. Uh, you, you know, when I um, have our students and our college students, when they get out of school and they go off to a job or career and a lot of them move to other states. We try to stay in touch with them and, and, and I'll call them and just pray with them. And, and then usually I'll ask them, I'll say, how can I pray for you? And 
most often they will say, just pray that I find community. You see, they don't say, just pray that I find a church. Yeah, that's understood. They want to find a church, but they're looking for something deeper. Pray that I'll find community. Pray that I'll find that group of friends like I had in high school or college that we did life together, we did church together, we did ministry together. Pray that I find that group. I, I need that community, that local group. And we all need that. And you know what? It's hard work. It takes hard investment, consistent investment to build that kind of community. In 1 Corinthians, it says, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. Find that community that you're doing life together. You live in harmony with each other. And you feel comfortable to share that sin with them. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather be one mind united in thought and purpose. That means you find that community that will encourage your spiritual gift. And you all have the same motive and the same reason for moving forward. And that is to make a difference in people's lives and to share in the gospel. 1 Peter 4, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gift. Use them well to serve one another. And that starts in your community, your community of believers. Matthew 18, Jesus said, if, if another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense if the other person listens and confesses it, you've won that person back. So when anything attacks your community, confront it, deal with it to keep the community strong. And then I like Galatians 6 2. Share each other's burdens. And in this way, obey the law of Christ. You're obeying a command of Christ when you share each other's burdens. And that only happens in community. You see, if I confess my sin to my community, then they share that with me and help me to find victory. Does that make sense? All seven of these are knitted, interwoven together. They all need each other. So if you're choosing to make a difference in 2021 and that you're choosing that your life is going to be significant and not just surviving, then choose all seven of these and see See what the difference is. Let's pray.